1: Up next, she's respected, she's successful, and she's fighting for her life.
2: It was really something terrible. She was deathly
3: ill. No cause was found for the illness. It was so sad
4: to see her like that.
1: Is this a job for doctors or detectives?
4: They were very frustrated, very angry. After multiple tests, they
5: finally found something that was really mysterious.
1: And that something is a different kind of smoking gun. A single pack of cigarette, that's
6: all that he needed.
1: Linda Kincaid was the kind of person people tended to notice, a statuesque, always impeccably dressed, high-powered corporate executive.
2: Besides that she was beautiful, the first thing that people would notice about her is she exuded warmth, friendliness, kindness, and so she just naturally and easily made friends.
1: Linda worked in upper management at Southern California's San Onofre Nuclear Power Plant, once one of the largest nuclear facilities in the country.
5: She started out as a secretary and worked her way up through management, and she just loved her job. She was dedicated to her career,
2: and she really enjoyed it. I think probably the most important thing to Linda in life was getting ahead in the world, not having to be dependent on anybody. A lot of times she would work long hours not expecting to get paid for it.
1: When Linda met co-worker Paul Curry... The driven career woman was confident she'd finally met her romantic and intellectual match.
2: I remember she called me and said, Mary, I met a younger man, and I really like him. The main thing she emphasized was how brainy he was and how smart he was.
5: He was this intelligent, witty, fun, younger guy. He was a pianist. He was a Mensa member, and...
3: Jeopardy. He
5: had won Jeopardy twice. He'd won $24,000 on Jeopardy, and he was a nuclear physicist. I mean, he was like the whole package for Linda.
1: In the summer of 1992, Linda and Paul got married. She was 48. He was 35.
2: She was on cloud nine. He would dote on her. I mean, it was to the point where, you know, if you're with them, they would i call it baby talk, kind of like, oh, oh, my little Linders, are you cold? Let me get you. And it was a real loving relationship.
1: Just a few months into this marriage, the couple got a bad break. Both of them fell seriously ill. Meticulous as always, Linda kept a journal.
5: So this is from Linda's medical journal. Monday, June 28th, 1993. Wait. 150 pounds. Felt fine all day. Worked late. Had a salad for dinner. Had some Kahlua before bed. Woke up in the middle of the night vomiting. In a period of six hours vomited over 30 times.
1: Since both Linda and Paul were sick, the first assumption was food poisoning. Paul bounced back. Linda got much worse. She spent three weeks in the hospital and suffered a brain embolism.
4: She remained sick and They supposedly could not find a reason. They could never figure out what was making her nauseous, vomiting, and have diarrhea.
2: It was a quandary. Nobody knew what's wrong with this relatively healthy young woman.
1: A distraught Paul Curry stood vigil at the hospital.
2: Paul was sitting there. He was forlorn. He had his hand in his head, and he warned me. I don't know, Mary, if you want to go and see her or not. She's pretty bad. And as I walked into the ICU, There she was, curled up like an 80-year-old lady, laying in this big bed with all these tubes in her. And uh, it's hard to get that out of my head when I saw her like that.
1: But true to form, Linda pulled through. Doctors pored over her records, trying to find what almost killed her and couldn't make a definitive diagnosis. Slowly, she recovered and even returned to work. But six months later, she was sick again and back in the hospital, which had a lot of people thinking that perhaps her work in the nuclear power plant was making her sick and possibly even killing her.
2: I'm hearing, well, we're testing for this, we're testing for that. It was just a mystery for so many.
0: That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Within six months in 1994, Linda Curry had been hospitalized twice for an unknown illness that had come close to killing her.
5: There were some theories as to why she may have been getting sick. Some people speculated that maybe she was making herself sick for attention, um, but her friends and family really shot that down because Linda had seemed happy. She loved her life and she loved her job.
1: Health problems were nothing new for Linda. For many years, she had issues with chronic fatigue, some gastrointestinal problems, and she'd been treated for depression and anxiety. But Linda's second hospitalization went much better than her first. She was out after a week and looked like she was in the clear.
2: She was feeling good. She was happy. She was back to work.
1: Convinced she had a nearly clean bill of health, Linda was putting in her usual long hours at work. This concerned her husband, Paul, so much that he sent an email to Linda's old friend, Mary.
2: It said, Mary, I know that you haven't spoken to Linda in a while, but I'd like to have your help in convincing her to slow down and not let this job of hers further impact her
1: health. Just hours after this email was sent, Paul Curry called 911. Linda was unconscious and barely breathing.
4: The paramedic found Linda unresponsive in the bed. He documented that she was asystole or no heartbeat, no pulse, no breathing. And they transport her to San Clemente Hospital where she's pronounced deceased.
1: Amid the shock and the grief, Linda's family and friends wanted answers and now turned to another open question about Linda's condition. It got raised when she first fell ill.
5: While Linda was in the hospital, it appeared that her IV bag had been tampered with. The liquid inside was cloudy, but nothing ever came of it.
1: As part of standard procedure, detectives interviewed Paul. He said he was told questions about Linda's IV bag remained unanswered.
4: They sent it off for analysis. They never told me what was in it.
1: But the big question was one with no answer. Who would want to harm Linda Curry?
2: She had no enemies, zero, none. Not only did she not say anything bad about anybody, no one ever said anything bad about her, ever, ever. They couldn't find anything bad about her.
1: During her first hospitalization, detectives asked Linda if she could think of anyone who would want to hurt her.
3: If somebody were trying to do something to you, if they were trying to poison you, any idea who would try to do that?
2: Well, the only person I could think of that would have a
4: motive to do it would be Paul.
1: And that potential motive? A million-dollar insurance payout, which left Paul as the only person with a reason to harm her. But Linda was adamant this was a health issue and had nothing to do with Paul. I
2: don't really believe that Paul tried to do anything. Our just wonderful. He's a wonderful man. I love him.
1: The problem was that something remarkably similar happened during Linda's second hospital stay, which was at a different hospital than the first. This time, the port on her IV bag was either broken or sabotaged. Tests on the bags were inconclusive.
5: Her IV bag, it appears it was tampered with again, and it's really bizarre. But again, they had no evidence, so there was nothing, they weren't able to prove
1: anything. After Linda's second hospitalization, police re-interviewed her. Again, she seemed unconcerned.
0: Part of my car the part of my shoes. I was not on my IV
1: bed. This didn't make sense to doctors or detectives. Two different IV bags being damaged in two different hospitals for just one patient seemed like more than a coincidence. In fact, after Linda's death, investigators did another interview with Paul.
4: Have you ever
2: after? Linda's death. Have you ever talked to the doctors and find
3: out what? Well, I
4: talked to uh, her own physician, and uh, he still suspected it was something neurological, but as far as the cause, he didn't
5: know. Rumor has it that you were going to sue the hospital to reference to
3: tampering of the bags. Well, Linda and I talked to um, a lawyer about that, but we,
1: we were told that there just wasn't enough information. And that's where the case stood. There were plenty of questions, but her symptoms were consistent with the neurological condition. Now her family and physicians hoped her autopsy would finally solve the riddle of what killed her. Even though Linda Curry had health issues for years, Her death came as a shock. The results of her autopsy did nothing to ease the blow.
2: So the original autopsy report, they they could not, you know, find anything about the cause of death.
1: But the pathologist did find something odd. A small, barely detectable wound, possibly a tiny puncture behind Linda's right ear.
6: There wasn't much significance to it initially. There was nothing about it that indicated that it had anything to do with the cause of death.
1: The autopsy report described it as a small hemorrhage, so medical examiners moved on to standard toxicology tests in an attempt to find out what killed Linda. These all came back negative for lethal amounts of any poison, but there was yet another surprise finding.
3: The autopsy results showed high levels of a sleeping pill, very widely used sleeping pill. Her levels were 10 times the usual therapeutic level.
1: The dosage of this sleep medication was not lethal and had never been prescribed to Linda. Still searching for answers, analysts conducted tests on Linda's tissue samples and were stunned by what this revealed, a massive amount of nicotine.
3: The nicotine levels in her blood were extraordinarily high. We measured a concentration of 1120 nanograms per milliliter. For comparison, In a cigarette smoker, the highest levels you would expect to see would be maybe 20 or 25.
1: Linda Curry didn't smoke, but there was no question, nicotine killed her.
3: So her levels probably were 100 times higher than those of a regular cigarette smoker. When you die from nicotine, you basically die because your breathing muscles are paralyzed. You stop breathing and you die.
1: Doctors finally had their cause of death, nicotine poisoning. Detectives finally had their manner of death. Homicide. And this finding of nicotine poisoning might explain the odd wound behind Linda's right ear. It was possible someone injected her with nicotine, which, until very recently, was nearly impossible for the average person to get in liquid form.
3: There have been some poisonings from electronic cigarette liquids that people have swallowed that contain nicotine. The only... Poisoning death I know of was one that was reported in 1850 involving a Belgian count who was trying to kill his brother-in-law.
1: As for Linda's family and friends, they were convinced, despite the absence of any physical evidence, that Paul Curry was responsible.
3: I
2: sure was 95% that the only person that her death could be pointed towards would be Paul. He was the one that stood to gain monetarily great amounts of money. So I I had no doubt.
1: Oddly, even Linda, in one of her police interviews, acknowledged she'd been warned about Paul.
2: All my friends, a lot of my friends are saying that Paul is guilty, get out of the house.
1: Detectives were in a hard spot. If it was Paul, how would he get liquid nicotine? And even if he could get it, how did he get that big a dose into Linda's body? The small hemorrhage behind Linda's ear might, or might not, be connected to her death. No syringe had been found in the house, and at the time, no one thought to test the dishes or eating utensils. There was no physical evidence to charge Paul, or anyone else.
5: They had no evidence, so there was nothing, they weren't able to prove anything.
4: They felt that there was no more leads. Like a lot of cold cases, they work it until they can't work it anymore, and then new things come up, and so it kind of just languishes.
1: Was Paul Curry the genius he claimed to be? Maybe so, because doctors, detectives, and almost everyone close to the victim had to admit if he killed Linda, it sure looked like he'd gotten away with it.
2: He was an actor. I mean, he fooled everybody.
1: Shortly after Linda Curry's death in 1994, her widower husband, Paul, had a job change at the San Onofre Nuclear Power Plant. As part of standard procedure, human resources rechecked his background. This was a more rigorous test than the one conducted when Paul first got the job, and it exposed a secret.
5: In reality, he was a fraud. He hadn't even gone to college. He didn't even have a college degree. He had faked his resume. He was not a nuclear physicist.
1: He had two ex-wives and three children. Something apparently unknown to Linda at the time of their wedding.
2: The thing is, the guy was brilliant. He was smart. He was slimy and smart. And uh, he fooled us all.
1: Exposed for lying about his credentials, Paul was forced to resign. But it didn't matter. He had the big financial payout from Linda's life insurance policy.
5: Paul Curry thinks he's outsmarted everyone and has gotten away with murder. He moves out to the Midwest in Kansas and starts a whole new life. He marries a new woman, he adopts a child, and he's working as a, as a building
1: code inspector. Nearly a decade passed. Then, Sergeant Yvonne Schull, a homicide investigator with the Orange County Sheriff's Office, reopened the case. Like every investigator in the country, she'd never seen a case with nicotine as the murder weapon and wanted more information.
4: I finally got a hold of... Uh, Dr. Neil Benowitz in San Francisco, who is the world-renowned nicotine expert. He's the one who writes the book on nicotine.
1: The main question Sergeant Schull wanted answered, a question not addressed in the original investigation, was how much time would a massive dose of nicotine take to kill Linda Curry? Dr. Benowitz had the answer.
3: Linda Curry died probably within 20 or 30 minutes at the most after being
4: exposed. So I knew that I needed to determine who was with Linda 20 to 30 minutes from the time that she was given the nicotine until she was deceased.
1: That person would appear to be Paul Curry, who was apparently the only person alone with Linda before she died.
6: He was smart enough to realize there was nothing he could do to stop himself from being a suspect. Paul Curry did not care about that. He just did not want to have sufficient evidence in the hand of
1: law enforcement to charge him with a crime. It was a good plan and it worked for 16 years, but the question of when the nicotine was administered could break open the case. A lot of time had passed and to nail Paul Curry down, investigators came up with a plan to outsmart the man who claimed to be a genius. The ruse was that Sergeant Shull would pose as a local police officer from Kansas who'd been asked by police back in California to tie up some loose ends on the Linda Curry case.
6: So in his mind, he knows. Hey, I was able to fool them back then. So now, the people that we put in place to try to interview him are not even the investigators on the case. How hard is it going to be to talk to these two locals that know nothing about the
1: case? The goal was to get Paul to admit on tape that he was the only person in the house with Linda on the night she died. Paul apparently had no idea what investigators were after and fell right into the trap. The
4: night that Linda passed away, you and Linda were alone, correct? Right. Was there anybody else in the house?
1: You were in bed, mm-hmm. no one else in the house. Correct. And then you call 911. After trying right, to... Right, right, I understand that. But I mean, you call 911? Correct. With that, Paul Curry unwittingly confessed that he was the only person who could have killed his wife. Investigators were confident the mystery of how Linda Curry died had finally been solved.
4: I pulled out my badge and ID and introduced myself, told him that my name was Yvonne Scholl, and I was from Orange County, California, and he's under arrest for Linda Curry's murder and I had him stand up and turn around and put handcuffs
1: on him. One question remained. How did Paul get his hands on liquid nicotine? Incredibly, he likely extracted a lethal amount of poison in a method that won't be revealed on this program from just 20 cigarettes.
3: If you extracted nicotine from a pack of cigarettes, you could get enough that you could probably kill somebody.
1: Investigators believe Paul regularly laced Linda's food with liquid nicotine. He likely varied the doses to make it seem like she was fighting a protracted illness. Six months after her second hospitalization, prosecutors think he slipped a large dose of sleeping medication into something she ate or drank. As she lay unconscious, prosecutors believe Paul injected a lethal amount of nicotine behind her ear disposed of the evidence as she lay dying, and then called 911, ultimately creating the timeline that exposed him as the only person who could have administered the fatal dose.
2: The first thing I'll ask her when I see her in heaven will be, Linda, why didn't you leave? Why? And I want that answer, because I don't understand why, you know, to this day.
1: In September of 2014, 20 years after Linda's death, Paul Corey was found guilty of first-degree murder and got life without parole. He may be the smartest person in the room, but for the rest of his life, that room will be a six by eight foot prison cell.
4: Forensics was a key to it. If we didn't have forensics and the work that they did, we would never solve this case because they never would have found the nicotine.
6: Paul Curry underestimated science. This person that faked being a scientist, that faked being a nuclear engineer, underestimated the importance of science and the importance of the truth.